RPG. I'm your host, Brendan. I'm your host, Ben. And today we are joined by Josh of the world-famous Wrecking Crew. That's me. Which, welcome. Welcome. Uh, um, the, the Wrecking Crew is a local area demo team for White Wolf, uh, or Onyx Path at this point. Right. And um, they've been doing it for quite a while. They're officially recognized, so you may know them from the Onyx Path webpage, or maybe even going back as far as some writing in Havens of the Damned. I do remember the Wrecking Crew making an appearance in that uh, August supplement. Indeed, some of Dave Martin's work is in there. There you go. And um, also, now the Wrecking Crew does a podcast, Podcast the Reckoning. So we're very lucky to live in Phoenix, where we're surrounded by a lot of different role-playing chaps and people who are involved in the industry on different levels. And uh, this other very well-known podcast is in our backyard, so we had Josh on to talk about an idea that he was kicking around on his very own podcast, Podcast The Reckoning, which uh, you might consider checking out, especially if you are influenced by White Wolf Gaming. As if you listen to this podcast, you know we definitely are. (laughs) Um, So we'll just go ahead and start out with the usual thing. Ben, what have you been up to in terms of gaming? Well, uh, you know, magic's in full swing, but I think beyond that, at this point, we are preparing for a convention season coming up here. Indeed. Yeah. Um, you know, Crit Hit's about to hit, and uh, before that, we got Leprechaun, but Crit Hit, for me, is more like, I don't want to say troublesome, but it's more like, I'm definitely doing a little bit more prep work right now for it, because I've agreed to run some games for it. And uh, I haven't actually run a game in like 15, 16 years. Yeah. I've been a player for that long. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I know I'm also running a game system that I'm, you know, I picked up recently and I'm not like super familiar with. What game is that? Kuro. Cool. Yeah. Have you played Kuro, Josh? Haven't heard about it. Never actually played it, though. Yeah. I, th- I think, Ben, that this is a place that is actually very advantageous for you. I agree. Like, who has played Kuro? Exactly. No one really knows what the game's about. I tell them it's like a cyberpunk horror game, and it's kind of sweet. Sure. And everyone's like, well, that sounds pretty cool, you know? But no one really has played it or knows what to expect when I when I sit down at the table with it. So that's pretty good for me. This is one of the first rules of GMing, if you've forgotten it from your, from your 15 years away, is no one knows what's behind the screen. So, especially if they don't know the, the gaming system, you have them, like, in a double blind. Forget uh, that's it, man. true. You can do whatever you want. They don't know. That's true. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, I think the game's super fun. I'm working on it, and uh, we're gonna do I think a, a demo coming up here. UI and Adam maybe uh, from Shadow Sworn. Uh, yeah, Adam's from Shadow Sworn, and then I think uh, Randy was invited if he can show up. And well, I was talking to Adam about how we're gonna do that, and he wants to make it just a we're going to put it up on the internet and then whoever can make it can make it kind of thing. That sounds and great. Yeah, so I'm thinking about just blocking off a day and just doing rolling games like that whole day. Okay. So we'll see. Uh, give me uh, give me a practice run through getting back in the saddle, so I'm I'm uh, excited for that. And it'll be fun just to play some weird shit because Gamma World, Lamentations and Kuro. Fuck, man. Yep. You know? Yep. How about you, Josh? You been, what's what's been on the deck lately? Uh podcasting 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 <laughs> you know we record we record four shows a month for podcast the reckoning and the forge 
I've got another project going on for some wargaming. I'm I've just started a podcast called Noob versus Noob. Ooh, uh, that is kind I'm of peaked. a. It's a wargaming podcast about with uh, my friend Brian uh, and my brother, and basically we all have a bunch of war games on our shelves that we've had forever, and we've got armies for, and some of it's painted, some of it's not, but we've never played it. So the whole idea of the game of the show is going to be we're taking stuff off our shelves, finally trying it, given what our first impressions are going to be, then try it, then come back and give an honest review of whatever the game is. So that sounds like a great podcast. I'm, I'm looking actually, forward to that. Uh, both Brendan and I have a background in wargaming as well. Yeah. As I'm sure that a lot of people, these hobbies overlap. It's just how it is. Uh, what what uh, what games do you have sitting on your shelf right now? Uh, well, right now we're doing Malifaux, though it's kind of it's kind of cheating because I'm I'm actually a henchman for Malifaux. I run okay. a league at Tempe Comics um, on Friday nights. Uh, but Brian has it and he's never tried it, so I, I told him, well, let's just start with something that at least one of us knows, then we'll give it a go. Sure. Uh, we're gonna do um, Dead Zone after that. Okay. Brian's actually a Pathfinder for Mantic, so he's kind of got a hook up there. Um, and then we're going to branch off into some more indie stuff. We're going to do Grunt's 15mm sci-fi wow. uh, after that. So um, we're only really working like three months and, you know, three months at a time because we're only going to record two shows a month. But, um, you know, after that, we'll set up a new, a new three. So I think we're going to probably try Infinity after that. I was about uh, to say, man. Infinity, great choice. Infinity, such yeah. a great game. And Guild Ball is the other one. Oh, so. wonderful. We have the uh, book for that that we uh, bought, like us and uh, our boss, but we haven't actually touched yeah, it yet. No one's, <laughs> no, no one's even cracked it. Yeah. The, the season two uh, s- stuff that's coming out of England is not sounding super promising. There's, there's some backlash already. But it does look like Human Sphere and 3 is out. Did you see that on Facebook No, today? I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, a lot of people were kind of posing with their books today, so it's out. So that means it should be up on the website soon, which is great news. Yeah, yeah. What else have you been doing? Uh, any tabletop? Any tabletop role-playing? Uh, the Wrecking Crew usually gets together twice a month. Uh, we're running D&D 5th edition right now. I'm uh, doing a little Tyranny of the Dragons. Um, I got seduced into buying some of that stuff, and once I had it, I'm all, well, now we have to play it. Uh, <laughs> I own all these books. We're going to use them. So uh, we're working on that. Um, Dave's running the Beast game off and on oh uh, how's beast working out for you guys uh it's got mixed reviews uh some people don't really care for the themes um that in our group and they're playing werewolves instead oh, okay uh, but you know be- the way beast works you can mix it up with any world yeah. of darkness splat so uh it works pretty good and dave really likes it he's the one running the game so you know that that helps that he's yeah. excited about it um we're having a good time um i kind of run the run the team as it is and every time i miss i get to hear all kinds of horrible stories about <laughs> things they've done in my name so uh, I've, i missed the last one so i get to go back and deal with the carnage uh, here in a couple of weeks oh that sounds to, really good to see what see what uh how that ended up but uh you know other than that just playing lots of malifo like i said i'm running a, a malifo league right now so cool um, there's a lot of that going on great great well um i guess i'm running vampire the requiem right now and uh, my game which takes version? Second, okay. second. I'm just we just graduated everything into second. So with the Chronicles of Darkness rule set that just just hit, because I always like to start out my vampire players as humans first, and then you doing that old prequel uh, or prelude style. Only I don't like to do it in one session. I like to play play it for a little while. And so the concept of this game is it's kind of like a um, hard boiled 
crime story. It takes place in Arizona. And then we're going to layer in the vampires eventually. So we've had a couple sessions. It's been fun. It hasn't been super intense, but it's been fun. There were some tense moments last session. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I think it has a strong foundation from which to grow. Right. And I'm doing some interesting stuff with it, with, with Arizona. I'm trying to make... I've never I've never run a place that I'm living in while I'm living there. Sure. And sure. I'm realizing why I never did that because you when you do world of darkness stuff, at least for me, I like to tr- keep it as real as possible, real realistic as right. possible, you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I'm getting into all this stuff where I'm like, well should Sheriff Joe be Sheriff Joe? <laughs> will that be will that be weird? <laughs> should should Colorado City be called Colorado City? Right. So, I I don't know. I still haven't. I'm 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 not deep enough into it that I have have to really confront this stuff yet. Right. Uh, well, Sheriff Joe's an immortal. Just crack out your immortals book. He's been around forever. He's gonna continue <laughs> to be around forever. Um, yeah. So that's what I'm working on. Um, I guess the reason that I called you in here today, Josh, because you see, for for those of you in in listener land. Josh and I don't know each other from the local local gaming scene. I think we used to maybe pass in the night over at uh, some some a now defunct game store that I see on his um on his his shirt's uh, sleeve. But we've never we've never played together. I just I'd listened to the podcast and he was kicking a great idea, and I thought, well, shit, I'd really like to hear more about that idea. Um, so if you don't mind my paraphrasing. Sure. I'm just going to restate it for you, and you okay. can agree or disagree, and then we're just, and then we'll elaborate. And this is what I thought was so great. So, on J- on Josh's podcast, they were talking about a scenario that they were playing through, and they got into one of these kind of little debates, very brief, about the nature of of what crunch is, and Josh sort of put out there that a rules-light system can still be crunchy because in his definition, crunch is how often you have to interact with the rules set rather than how in-depth the rules set is. And I thought that was just brilliant because usually you see you see crunch measured on like a spectrum versus fluff or maybe on a crunch versus fluff matrix. But I felt like this introduced an entirely new matrix, which was a uh, an axis for crunch and an axis for heaviness versus lightness of the rules set. Because I have to, I have to, I, I, I want to agree with you right off the bat. I'm like, I'm like, that's, that's brilliant. If you have to roll dice for everything, if you have to flip through the rule manual for everything, then how can you call it a, a light system right. or, 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 a, or a low crunch system? So anyway, now I'm going to let you take it, take it over. Tell us, tell us what, about your thought process here. All right. I'm going to generate a lot of uh, hate mail right now. Um, <laughs> you assume that we have mail. Um, <laughs> Thank true, you, sir. <laughs> Fate is crunchy as fuck. I heard you say this on your podcast, yeah. So, um, you know, I think it's every bit as crunchy as, say, the sort of GURPS out there. Wow. Um, wow. In both those systems, there are rules that cover everything. Now, GURPS rules are super complex. There's 43 different books. Here's here's a whole source book on social on social mechanics, right? Mm-hmm. So super complex rules that you're always interacting with. Fate, on the other hand, got a couple of rules and some weird plus minus dice that you can roll all the time. But you're interacting with aspects all the time. 
you've got aspects for your character, you've got aspects for your scene, uh, you've got tricks that are, in, that are, that are uh, rolling into your aspects. So every time you as a player are trying to think about what it is you're going to do, you've got mechanics on your brain, right? Um, and for me, you know, this, this is a your mileage may vary thing, but uh, for me, when I'm able to get the most into like immersive role playing, it's social interaction and stuff where we're not even bothering with any mechanics and stuff like that. So uh, I've had some of my best um, role playing experiences um, where we're not talking about combat mechanics in games like Advanced Dungeons and Dragons that don't even have social mechanics really. Yeah. And so you're just vamping all that on the fly, right? No rules at all, no interaction at all. Um, so that game can be complex, but is it crunchy? Well, only during combat. The rest of the time it's not crunchy at all. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's kind of how I've always thought about it kind of naturally. There's a spectrum, just like you said, mm-hmm. where there's uh, on one side, there's you're interacting with the rules all the time or you're not interacting with the rules at all. Say, I don't know, you're playing Fiasco or something, right? Okay. Uh, where you get front-loaded with some rules, but the, the rest of the play is not the rules aren't on your mind as you're having your little fiasco argument. Right, right. right. Um, and then the other access is how complex the rules are. So if you're playing a game that's like GURPS, that's super complex rules, and you're interacting with them all the time, that's like King of Crunch over here, right? <laughs> right up yes. there with Hero System. Um, Fate, rules aren't that complex, but you're interacting with them quite a bit. So it's still, for me, more on the crunchy side, but mm-hmm. on the lo- lower complexity side, right? Okay. Um, and then, you know, like Savage Worlds would probably be right in the middle between the two, for example. Okay. So can you, so, so you had a, a contention about this. Well, thing. I just thought that if you had a sliding scale, then you'd have to be able to have examples in every single, like of the four quadrants, in right? every quadrant. Like, like, like heavy crunch, like, low, like not complex rules, heavy crunch, complex rules, light crunch, complex rules, light crunch. You know, not complex rules, right? Right. Essentially, and I think you've already sort of laid out some of that, right? Because you have you have uh, fate as a light rule set, but heavy crunch. You have GURPS as an example of heavy, heavy, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. So, and then I think you just gave Dungeons and Dragons as a complex with light. It depends, you know. So sure. yeah, there's there's those guys who just want to kick in the door, and that's all they want to do is, is essentially a board game. They want to play Descent, really. Right, they really right. want to play Descent. That's crunchy. It's gonna be crunchy every single yeah. time, uh, but not necessarily when you're just talking to the mysterious stranger in the tavern, right? Mm-hmm. Before you burn it down. <laughs> okay. So so that's sort of like a almost example then. But I would like an example of a of a of a heavy of a heavy rule set that doesn't have a lot of crunch. Okay. I would probably lean on, say, um, NWOD, or CWOD, uh, COD. COD. <laughs> Chronicles of Darkness, first edition. Um, ah, okay. So in the in the second edition, they introduced all the doors and stuff, um, all this really heavy interaction that you can use, or you know, if you follow the raw, you're going to use for all your social interactions. And there, there are rules that even cover, like, extended actions working on the same person over the course of several weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Like the example they give in there is trying to, uh, I think it's trying to get a professor to let you do something. And they give an example of this week you do this, and this next week you see him, you do that, and this third week you see him, you do that. So over the course of this long period of the game, you're interacting with these rules every time you meet that guy socially, right? Mm-hmm. 
previously to that, at least the way we play it, um, social interaction only ever would um, call for dice rolls if there was some reason for it, right? Um, you're trying to detect some bullshit the harpy is, is throwing at you or um, um, you're trying to trick somebody into doing something. But most of the time, it, it you know it's real similar to just chilling out at a LARP and socializing with people. And even a LARP would be a good example of um, uh, something that isn't super complex and the rules don't come into play all the time. So um, some of that, granted, is based off how you're playing these games. Yeah, like, that's sort of what I'm getting from you as, 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 we're, as we're talking. A lot of it tends to be like group-focused, essentially. Sure. right? Like how crunchy it is tends to be on what you and your group are doing. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a game, and I'm trying to think of what it's called, but basically it's a, it's a super light game where one of your characters it's, is possessed by this beetle. What is the game name? By a beetle? Yeah, and the whole point of the, oh, I have to look it up. I should have. I was thinking about this earlier today. I actually heard about it on um, uh, the Jankcast. Because they do a ton of indie games, and this mm-hmm. is one of the ones that they picked up. I'll have to, I'll have to dig it up. I can't remember the name of it, but what's the, it kind of like? The the beetle, the character who's got the beetle, the person who has the beetle, is trying to push some agenda, and the other players are trying to to stop it without getting the beetle, such as it is. But it's all just back and forth, talking, 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 and not a lot of interaction with the rules. But it's one of those games that's, um, you know. Um, it's a hippie. It's a hippie, a dirty hippie game, as some people <laughs> might call them. But but it's got a you know one specific thing it does. You know now I'm thinking about dread probably would fall into that category because there's only one mechanic to dread and that is pull stuff off the jenga tower, um, <laughs> um, and you only do that whenever there's a chance for your character to die. Basically, the rest of the time it's just say a thing, do a thing, right? Uh, narrative control all the time. So that that might be an example. There's this kind of new sort of game that's coming out and I've noticed them popping up our buddy Jim Miller was talking to us about one of them it's called The Skeletons and you play essentially like a skeleton in a dungeon Okay. and it's called a meditative role playing game it's supposed to be for a number of players over 4 or 5 hours I haven't played it yet we were supposed to play it with him and we haven't been able to and then there's The Quiet Year which isn't Daryl running that at uh, one of these cons coming up he is I believe he's going to try to run it at Phoenix Comic Con. And I saw... Which one's the quiet year again? I, I saw it described on an Imperial Outpost. Somebody did a one-off of it for play one night. And it's... it's. Uh, can you describe it? Have you uh, played it? I haven't actually played it. Um, it is a game that takes a place... It takes place over the course of a year. So in the in the... Over the course of the game session, you're gonna you're gonna go through like a long period of time, kind of like a I don't want to say a generational game, but it's the same kind of idea. Um, but you know, I've only heard of it. I've never actually played it or even cracked the rules, so it's not not on my it's not on my shelf, unfortunately. I, the, what, what, what I remember from what I read online was you gameplay is a town and. There's been some kind of cataclysm where there's invading monsters or some such thing. And 
you know, for whatever reason, you have a year before the monsters come back or before the environmental cataclysm is going to happen again. And so you have a year to build this town and prepare for the upcoming difficulties. Now, as, uh, you, you tell me about the Beetle game, and then there's this Quiet Year game and the Skeletons game. And I'm, I'm thinking, are these role-playing games? I mean, do you have a character when you're playing the Quiet Year? I think you do, but in the in the current environment of um, of, of Kickstarter and everybody being able to put a game out there, you know, what are you going to define a role-playing game as? So it's for me, it, you know anything where you're going to play somebody who's not yourself you're going to take on some kind of persona whatever it is um and there's a million games like that out there um so um you know what can i think of what can i think of off the top of my head um i was going to say savage rifts but you know that's not an indie game but that's what's on my brain right now because what the savage world's kickstarter yeah yeah well <laughs> why is that on your on your mind right now because it's going to fund in about nine days, and then my wife's going to go to pay bills, and she's going <laughs> to see the Kickstarter bill, and she's going to be like, what the what the hell is this? And like, um, I, I don't know. Just 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 tell her you met this this doofus who put $250 into Cult of Divinity Lost. Uh, and the, the problem is, just the other day, she was asking me, what's this Pugmire thing? I'm like, um, nothing. What's this Seven Seas <laughs> thing? <laughs> um, uh, nothing. I didn't so. support Pugmire mostly because I hadn't actually supported Kickstarter at that point, but I definitely was on the Seven C one. It's it's been a we it's been weird lately how how many great Kickstarters have been available. Am I right? Absolutely. That, that it's every week. It's every day. Yeah. Uh, if you follow the uh, RPG Kickstarter news group, we um, do. Yes. There's there's Angus is putting up something. Every single day. What was it? The corporate murder game we were just looking at yesterday? Uh, Murders and Acquisitions? Yeah, I thought that sounded interesting. I'm still thinking about pledging it. What can I say? (laughs) We're going to actually be interviewing the guy who's running that Kickstarter. Oh, nice. 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 Is he local? Uh, He's not local, but uh, he's been reaching out to to podcasters looking for stuff, I presume. He approached me. I didn't approach him. Oh, cool. That's really cool. So, I don't mean to be rude, but I'm looking up the name of that fucking rule set that i was just talking about no, people no, are that's... gonna think i'm i'm crazy about some egyptian beetle game <laughs> so how do you feel about this access at this point ben where are you at with it i i feel like chronicles of darkness was definitely on that when when, when we were talking about when we were talking about a what rules light but crunch heavy this was um that that, that was that rules was heavy but crunch light Rules he suggested. He yes, suggested yes, the first yes, edition Chronicles. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Because you don't have to interact with the rules as much, but the rules are incredibly complex. Right. They are. I, I hated how complex the rule set was for first edition Chronicles because, I mean, they had these ridiculous rules for for running. Remember the chase rules? Remember how perverse the chase rules were? <laughs> and then there was the. Well, I remember them from Masquerade. I don't particularly remember them from uh, from Chronicles. Dude, I don't think there was much no. difference. We had that one game that was in Mexico where the, you, the, you guys were doing a foot chase. You're being chased by this like weird revenant creature across a rooftop. And we had to sit there rolling dice to see if he ever caught you. Mm. And it was so, I mean, we're sitting there with the candles 
and the theme music is on, and we're flipping through the the then World of Darkness core book. Okay, now to this is this comes this comes back to me. I remember hating that. Oh my god! And then there's the uh, the hardness rules for shooting at items, and that includes glass. So if you're trying to shoot through glass and something's in a car or behind a window or something, you first have to break the hardness. And oh Jesus, that was just such a nightmare. I hated that crap. I hated that crap. But fortunately, like you're saying, you didn't have to interact with it very much. Right. And you could to be totally honest, you could just generally choose to ignore it. Which with Chronicles of Darkness Second, I'm running it very, very hands off. I, I don't I don't like rolling dice. I I would rather just have people talk. You know what I'm saying? Right. Sure. I see you've got games like Urban Shadow shitting on your on your desk here, so I do. You know that informs me that you're you're <laughs> kind of into that kind of thing, where it's it's more about the interaction than it is about um, rolling the dice. Not that rolling the dice is a bad thing, but no. You know. in, in particular, I I tend to hate like super tactical like rolling dice like RPG games. You know, Pathfinder, Dungeon Dragons 3.5, that sort of era. I find to be really horrific on some level for me anyway as a player it's not something i want to sit through and have a combat last like three hours you know right sure um and to that extent i hear you're playing five and i think five is a little bit better in that respect uh combat still take forever they can they can but there's not nearly the amount of maneuvers and horrible shit going on i don't know right i don't like what you're doing take the disadvantage yeah we're done Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's more. It gets more back to sort of like, yeah, combat in the original Dungeons and Dragons took a long time, um, and it sort of feels like that on some level, without like all the weird like rules you have to interact with in the Pathfinder level. Right. I, I remember there being long combats in Second Edition. Maybe just seemed, oh, there were. Maybe they just seemed long when I was a kid, but I I I, I could swear I remember long well, combats. Even when we were trying to, um, we were running the the. Uh, the Strahd game, right? Uh-huh. Coming back to it, that combat with the spiders. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there were like eight, there were like what six or seven <laughs> spiders, and there were like six or seven of us. And the spiders, it's not like they're really beefy. We just couldn't kill them because none of us could hit anything. I, I, I didn't know if um, that was me feeling like it took forever because I was having so little fun, or if it was actually taking forever. Well, I think I think the expression on your face during that combat was mirrored on mine. <laughs> my, 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 my sheer lack of interest as I kept rolling my D20, and I was like, oh, I finally hit. Oh, well, great. I did some damage. Okay, great. All right, so you play Fate at all? I have actually never played Fate. I own the rule book. How about um, anything that's Apocalypse World Engine? Sure, sure. Okay. Dungeon, dungeon, uh, dungeon World... Um, I supported the Kickstarter for Apocalypse World. I'm looking forward to getting that. Okay. How do you like Dungeon World Combat? Uh, super dynamic, super fun. Okay. Are you interacting with the rules all the time when you're in the middle of it? Sure. Okay. So for me, just as crunchy as Pathfinder. Wow. Uh, but because because Pathfinder is very rules heavy. Right. Pathfinder has all those stupid charts. They have rules for everything. And it's almost all combat. Now combat's yeah. gonna be pretty much crunchy no matter what game you're playing. I, but I I, I I get what you're saying. It's it's it that is that is crunch that it's crunch heavy. It's still rules light though. Sure. Whereas absolutely. whereas Pathfinder it's crunchy and rules heavy. Sure. Yeah. Apocalypse yeah, yeah. Royal Engines can all fit just in the grapple rules for Pathfinder. Sure. So. And, and and I think that like I get what you're saying about like fate right where when you're playing fate. 
you're constantly challenging and like you're rolling on these the you're constantly like rolling on these things and and it, it sort of takes you out of the immersion process right that's exactly what essentially what you're saying well it's not even that that you're rolling right it's that because of the nature of the game you've got to be thinking up aspects all the time because players have narrative control more narrative control in that game and i think that you know the the point of narrative control games are to tell a good story but i don't think always they're as good as building immersion which really is i keep going back to immersion but getting immersed in the game and forgetting about the rules that is that for me is measuring how much crunch is being involved at the time so and i'm a guy that likes complex games i'm not a huge fan of really rules like games personally but i also really like immersion which seems kind of counterintuitive but you know that's because we get into these back and forth in my in my local group um, they don't have anything to do about with the rules, but every once in a while I get to flex my tactical muscles and maybe break out a battle map or Dave will draw some kind of map that's made of squares that you can't really tell what's going on, but you can try to make a plan on it, right, and and get into the rules of what your character can do at that point. Um, so, you know, when I say crunchy and not crunchy, there's not even a judgment there. Which I, no, 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 I, I understand, but but I do get the feeling like... Like as you talk, that the that there there is certainly like uh, a different method of thinking during a game that is crunch light than that is, you know, crunch heavy. As for for players, for storytellers, um, that that you have to be focusing on some level on the rules as you're doing whatever you want to do. Right. Um, I feel that like that that sort of goes away a bit during during apocalypse uh, world on some level. Um, during their engine games, because um, <clears throat> at least for the players, I think, uh, at least for me as a player, because I just narrate what it is I want to do every time. I don't right. even worry about what I'm really, I just narrate what it is I want to do, um, you know, keep it kind of cinematic and cool and what I think is going to be great sounding. And then I roll some dice, you know, and that's about, that's the extent of the rule that comes down. Sure. You know, and then, and then uh, I think for the, for the arbitrator there on some level to sort of like come out with like, oh, well, you know, you didn't roll so hot, so here's the give and take on that. Right. It's a little bit different from their perspective on that, I think, than it is for me as a player in terms of how I interact with the rules. Right. Well, I don't think for, you know, what what I'm talking about, what the spectrum is, it's going to be like the same for everybody. So sure, sure. Every single person is going to have this diagram of where these games fall for them based off how they play them. So for me, if I were to really get into playing some fate or apocalypse world i'd be i've I played dungeon world a couple of times and i'm always focused on what's on all these all these maneuvers that are on my character sheet right but you know that's just because because me yeah know, yeah and, yeah, and no. how i and how i approach games as soon as we get into the social interaction then that kind of falls away i forget about it but um um unless there's a mechanical something there for me to play around with in which case now i'm going to be interacting with it again it's not good or bad but it does change my perspective of what is crunchy and what isn't because i think i think when this when this conversation goes on you guys were talking on your podcast about um playing a wushu game specifically right uh cavaliers of mars yeah and yeah. uh that's yeah. also sort of a very narrative based system right it is super narrative in fact you know we're getting ready for gen con we're doing all our play testing now um one of the games i'm doing that they've asked me to run is do cavaliers of mars it's one it's their um Rose, what's her name? I Rose can't. Bailey. Rose Bailey's game. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, well, how have you guys found it? What, what, what's your what's your take? It's super difficult for people who are used to like call them traditional games to get into. 
um, because the game is all narrative. It runs the Wushu system runs on this idea of narrative truth, where if somebody says it happens, that's it. It happens exactly how they said. Um, so uh, for the group that I was playtesting for, their problem was they kept asking me, "Hey, I'm going to try to do this," and I had to keep telling them. No, you're not going to try. <laughs> you're going to do it. Now tell me what happens. Um, you know, so the way that system works, there's um, anytime they present it with um, like a challenge that's not like a direct one-on-one -on -one combat, there's this threat rating for the scenario and a danger rating. So it's, the threat rating is like hit points that they have. The danger rating is how much damage they'll take every turn if they don't do something about it. They get to roll some dice that they can split into two pools, one to defend themselves and one to assault the scenario, How you know, as it were. Uh, but that mechanic works for everything. So Yeah, I remember the example you had in your podcast was trying to sneak around some... Uh, I don't remember if they were guards or dogs or something. They're trying to sneak through this, this garden that was guarded by something. They didn't yeah. know what it was. Uh, and so the their actions, every time they decide they wanted to try to sneak by it, or narrate what it was they were going to do. Um, they're, you know, they build a dice pool. So, like, um, the encounter has a maximum dice pool per action. The, the whoever's running the game will tell them what it is. Oh, and then interesting. The number of dice you get are based off the number of details you can add. So, if I tell them it's a three dice pool maximum, and they want to be able to roll all their dice, they have to they have to provide me three details. I'm going to jump over the wall, then sneak from tree to tree. And then throw my grappling hook up on the other side. So they'd have to do all three of that. Um, and um, so once they do that, they decide how they're going to split their dice. They roll them, and you compare those to the threat rating and the danger rating. If they got enough, if they got more successes than the danger rating, they don't take any damage. Uh, and if they got successes, those successes remove it, remove threat. And when the threat gets to zero then they've beaten the encounter. So that works for social encounters, straight-up combats, sneaking around, uh, whatever. Uh, the key, though, is that they've got to provide all the... They've got to improv all the details, um, which is sometimes hard for people who haven't played those kind of games before. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Did, did you like it? Did you enjoy running it? Well, I had just previously mentioned that I'm not a huge fan of, mm. you know, those kind of games, but... Once we got into it and everybody got comfortable uh, with what they needed to do, we had a blast. It was a great time. Nice. But it's weird, you know, when you first start role-playing, especially when you first start running games, um, you know, the first time you start to try to do voices, um, you know, when you're a kid, you feel a little self-conscious, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like being up in front of the class giving a, giving a lecture. You get that same kind of feeling. Had that? I've been role-playing for 30 years. or Well, not 30 years, but... You know, like 28 years. Anyway. Yeah, close enough, right? Um, but I had that same feeling again. And I could tell that my players were having that same feeling because they were having a hard time with um, just kind of coming out and saying what it is that they wanted to do. Um, ironically, our newest people, they had no problem with it. They mm -hmm. were able to dive right in because they, they hadn't had a lot of experience with traditional games, so they were able to dive right in. Um, but that game... How crunchy would I say that Cavaliers of Mars is? Um, crunchy when you're first trying to figure out how to play it, but once you're done figuring out how to play it and it's all just narration, 
maybe not so much because I don't know that you're always thinking about the mechanics when you're adding your details. Cause once, by the time we got to the end, they're adding too many details. Like they were telling me this whole thing that they were doing and it was way more details than they needed for whatever the threat was. Right? Yeah. yeah it's, it sounds to me like, like, um, that, that was exactly what I was thinking. I was like, I bet playing this game out to start at first, you're constantly thinking like, well, I need to get three details and you get four details and here's my details what I'm doing. As you get into the game, it's just going to be like you're narrating an action, right? Absolutely. And then, and then the 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 arbitrator is going to tell you to roll some dice, and you're going to roll some dice, and then that's or whatever, you know. Right. So you're narr- you're narrating an action, but the game encourages you to narrate to the nth degree. Exactly. So exactly, and I think that that's how that's how we got into, or that's how uh, after like a little bit of playing an apocalypse into a game, it started to feel to me, where it was just like I'm just going to narrate everything that I want to do. And I'll make it over the top cinematic and then I'll roll some dice and maybe it happens, you know, like it sounds great. And I think that for the narrate, the narrate intensive games that like, like fate dungeon world wushu, it sounds to me like the more that you play it, the less crunchy it ends up feeling to you. Sure. Sure. I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah. That's just sort of how I'm feeling as you were talking about the wushu games. But I, again, I, you know, I don't have a lot of experience playing fate. Um, I'd like to, but I don't have a lot at this point. Yeah. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how it goes as I get more, but. Indeed, indeed. I I feel like Vampire back in the day started out being very kind of light on crunch, as you were saying. Mm-hmm. And then over time became more and more crunchy. The more, it's, it's almost like the opposite of these narrative games. When you, when you start out and you're a new player and you, have low powered characters maybe you don't really know what you're doing so much you are just talking about what you're doing all the time and you're just interacting with other characters and then the more disciplined powers you get and the more you realize how ways to game the system in terms of spending willpower splitting dice pools this kind of stuff right then all of a sudden you're just breaking everything down into like i'm gonna roll i'm gonna roll i feel like this comes down to the dichotomy that you and adam talk about um where when like vampire sort of became the super powered game, you know, like here, here's the superpowers. We're like the super friends and here's what we do. You know, <laughs> we've got all these sweet powers and we can like do whatever and not really care about like humanity loss or but, anything like that. You see, I want, you know, I wish I could blame like a cultural shift on that whole thing, but I feel as though that w- at least in our group, that occurred when there was a certain evolution in play style. People realized there's a systemic advantage to me emphasizing my discipline powers or emphasizing making a role rather than role playing. And where I really saw the worm sort of turning in that was when we were playing uh, Vampire Dark Ages first edition which should have been a very kind of narrative light game or narrative more narrative than 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 rules oriented and which was before the what I consider to be like disastrous third edition or second edition revised or whatever you want to call it it just that mentality was already in there of oh I can how many how many dice did you get for spending willpower point? No, you didn't get dice. You got automatic success. Automatic success. Auto success. And that was so critical. That was so critical. Oh, I spent willpower point and get an automatic success. That kind of stuff was just 
those types of mechanics gave huge incentives to thinking mechanically. See, I I, didn't, I don't necessarily see it that way. I always saw it as like, as like as a as, as someone who's taking part in the in the the telling of the story process. This is an action that I I really want to happen, you know. So I'm going to spend a character. I'm going to spend a willpower as the character because it's something that my that that I feel deeply about. My character would really feels deeply about, and that's what we're going to do. You know, the problem is when the thing you care very deeply about is your trench coat and your katana <laughs> and this vampire, you're going to diabolize just like you diabolized the one last night and the one the previous night <laughs> and the one the night before that. Right. We've all been through that phase if we've played vampire for sure. any length of time. It's sure. So, it's true. Um, I don't I don't know if that's the fault of the system, though. Um, necessarily, I think that I think that has more to do with the meta plot. And all these over-the-top characters that were always in the in the meta plot, and and you reading that, reading that fluff, and then wanting to emulate that, right? Um, sure. I think it had more to do with that than necessarily. I've got these these things, so I'm just going to use them, right? We had we had John Wick on the show a f- couple months back, and he he and I were in agreement that the system prods the characters towards that but you guys are in agreement with well i don't know i think i think adam on shadow sworn has a different take entirely but but i i just really see it where here's the thing is i've just run so much vampire Mm -hmm. i've run so many sessions of vampire and no matter what i do it always seems to turn into a giant uh killing machine The, the 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 game just turns into a sort of meat grinder where it's player versus players. And to me, that says that there has to be something in the mechanic that is drawing people down into this whirlpool because... See, I think back to the games that we've played together, and I and I always think, like, well, the story brought us to that point. Oh, it's Brennan's fault, is what you're saying. No, 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 <laughs> no. no. It's, it's, <laughs> look, look, it's a collaborative storytelling experience. Much like I think that willpower was a mechanic that they gave so that like players could do actions that they really wanted to have happen, it's a collaborative storytelling process, and you know like like whether whether like you know uh, characters decide to start hating each other you know first off or whatever happens there, um, you know it's a gradual build up sometimes. That's just what happens. And uh, vampire as a game, I mean, let's be real, you're playing uh, a freaking freaking monster. And in these games, and these games that like span Who's hundreds of years, likely to hate other his other people of his same exactly. type. Exactly. And when you're playing, and when you're playing, when you're playing games that likely span hundreds of years, I mean that hatred like it, it could fester, it can grow, sure, sure. Um, be miserable. And and we've had games where players have been in each other's throats over the course of hundreds of years. No, that's true. I don't necessarily think the vampire pulls people into that. I think it just provides a tool set, and you know, players being players eventually they're going to want to make use of those rules, right? I don't, I, again, I don't know that I agree that it's necessarily the system's pulling them in because I've played plenty of vampire games where it's been all political, um, you know, doing my best not to get into combat with anybody because I didn't jump into that pool, so I didn't have any celerity or fortitude <laughs> or potence, uh, and so I didn't want to get hit. Had plenty of dominate and plenty of majesty, but didn't want to use that unless I had to. Right. So I spent my time... Hey, hey, Gangrel, this Bruja in our coterie, he's, he's not very friendly. What can I do for you? That kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, doesn't end up with me having to roll any dice at all or make use of all these crazy dice pools I might have. It's just me 
interacting with this guy. Yeah. And, you know, trying to stay in character and play to his character and, you know, have that work out. But I've, you know, I've had the games where we, we went on a mission to Mexico and we diablarized everybody. I mean, everybody. <laughs> There's no one left in Mexico when we were done. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I liked what you were saying earlier about the way that your personal taste for a game is both immersive, but with a lot of complex rule set and the way that sometimes you feel like that those things are opposed to one another and at odds i feel exactly the same way hearing you say that it was like you were speaking directly from my heart because i love the immersive games that i've played i've played immersive games for decades now right but there's just something about when it all comes down and you're in the shit like 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 it's, it's, it's the end of the game, it's the end of the session or whatever, and there's going to be a giant giant gun battle or a vicious um, uh, torch-lit uh, like sword fight in a cathedral in Dark Ages or something. Mm-hmm. And everybody just starts gathering up those giant like dice pools. Right. And they start rolling, and they start saying, oh, uh, Wolf Claws plus... Plus uh, entrail Saraband, plus all this other crap, <laughs> all this other crap, and there's something about that. There's some I I I do love it. I I do love it, and that's one of the things that drew me to Pathfinder. That's one of the reasons I I, I ran Pathfinder so freaking long. That's one of those reasons why I still have this like giant Pathfinder collection, and I always I'm always kind of fawning over it. To me, there's something about the way that the rules in Fifth are streamlined that I actually don't like. I'm actually kind of like eh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's, you and I are kind of uh, kind of different on this one. Yeah, which boggles my mind because you were always the the crunch guy. You were always the guy who memorized the fucking book backwards and forwards and would like literally beat people with it. <laughs> it, is, it was as though your lawful <laughs> lawful good monks were beating their opponents to death with the rules manuals in their hand. You can't do that with fifth edition. There's no there's no combos to exploit. It's not it's not <laughs> like Pathfinder, right? No, no, that's true. I I, I generally think that now at this point i've sort of hit this point where like if i want super tactical if i want like if i want to play a really tactical game well i'll play a war game you know i've got i've got i've got infinity we play infinity yeah. uh, i could i could i still have like a bunch of gw stuff i have a few malifaux models i've never actually played can't yeah. be comics point. friday nights yeah i mean <laughs> i mean I can, I can always bust these out and play anytime right it's true um and and so what I want from from my role playing is a great story. I want to have like cinematic like imagery, and um, you know sort of get lost in that, and uh, you know take part in it. And, and 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 I feel like that never happens for me when I play Pathfinder. You know, I never I never feel like that. I'm always like I'm always like, what's the best maneuver to use here? What should I do? You know, like the question is why though? Why you know is it just because the system allows you to do that, or I think it's just me and my nature and what I'm like. It's like it's like for me, it's like um, I I tend to optimize things. Sure, and I so totally get you. Yeah, and so and so when I'm playing a game like that, I have to optimize every single thing that I do because because it, it because the game like on some level is about optimization. <laughs> so I and that, that for me takes away from the whole experience. Of what role playing is, for me, this is just naturally who he is. He's great. He's an incredibly gifted uh, Magic the Gathering player, and he his 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 routes of people at the Warhammer 40k table are pretty legendary. 
He has, this, he, he has the ability to look at rules and just out and just see them for what they are, rather than the sort of candy gloss that other people might see. I'm the kind of guy I, I pop open a book and I'm like, oh man, fucking Lissomber, fucking cool man. I fucking love this discipline where you like manipulate the shadows and shit. And that's what I want to do. And I really don't give a shit if it actually does anything in game. Right. I just assume that it's going to. I just assume oh, it's cool. It's got to be just about as good as any other thing, or else why would it be in here? At least that's me like 10, 15 years ago. And then I would get myself into these situations where it's like, oh shit, <laughs> I, I suck. I I actually can't I actually can't do anything here. And then you run into like the Zimacy and the Horde form. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Then you run away. Then you get the fuck out of there. All right. But uh, no, I guess that's just for me, for me and who I am and what what it is that I do. Um, I just can't I just can't get away from the crunch when I play a game like that. I find it interesting that. Um when you're playing a game like Pathfinder, you can't get away from it. But other games where the crunch is still trying to be there all the time because part of the crunch is wrapped around the narrative control you get as a player. Sure. That you're not, you don't really see it there. That's interesting. Yeah, no, because, it totally is. Because I do the same kind of thing, optimize. Like I make a, I make a World of Darkness character. I've got my disciplines for my vampire character. I got to make sure I've got three in the stat, three in the skill, three in the <laughs> discipline. Otherwise, it's useless, right? Um, but. I also have an easy time letting all that stuff fade away. Yeah, I, I don't notice it that much when I play World of Darkness. For me, it's like I've played it so much now, and I can just sort of like... And I know what to expect when I sit down at a World of Darkness table with Brendan as GM, or as a storyteller. I know what to expect on some level, at least in terms of the crunch and uh, interaction there. And so I know that I can just sort of like... I can just sort of be, you know? Um, but I never feel comfortable at Pathfinder, especially because I'm sitting there and I'm thinking like, you know, I have thoughts too as I'm playing. I'm like, man, I, um, this, this, this combat could have been like way better if I just optimized a little bit more and took some different feats or like, you know, like I said, the perfect magic item combination. Now let me yeah. turn into a hummingbird that does 30, 66 points of damage because <laughs> I have a sneak attack. I mean, you know, the, it, it's sort of like a, a well-known thing at this point, but that like, there's plenty of message boards out there full of like people who optimize whatever in Pathfinder. Um, you know they're they're it's stupid. Sad. Like you, netlister, you're a netlister. <laughs> oh, I've I've actually never done it before. I before I played. In fact, all this I discovered after we stopped playing. Yeah, Pathfinder. because I was talking about getting a Pathfinder game going. I was I was so disillusioned with Fifth. I was like, Hey guys, how, how did you guys feel if we did some Pathfinder? And then this guy, he's all. Oh, dude, I don't think we should do that. It's going to get really nasty. And I'm like, why can't you just let it go, man? Why can't you just let it be? And then within 20 minutes, he was on the computer at work, and he shows me this this thing. He's like, look, look, see what people are doing. This is the kind of shit that you're going to get if you play Pathfinder. And I was like, ah. Oh, more importantly, it's going to be what I'm going to do. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, he always has, this, he always has this, this tone in his voice where he, he says something like, well, I can't be expected to play and not attempt to achieve something like this. And I'm just like, what's wrong with being a fighter who has a sword and, like, greater cleave or whatever? I mean, how's that not fun? It's it just, it, it, I guess I guess for me, the, the, the big thing is just how tactical the game ends up feeling when you start, like, looking at, like, movements and, like, the battle maps steps. and, like, you know, miniatures. And just, like, it's like you're playing a miniature game that like has some role playing going on outside of the miniature combat. And that's that's really the way it like sort of feels to me. Yeah. Yeah. And well, um you know, on the on the spectrum we're talking about, Pathfinder is a crunchy game. Mm -hmm. It's got yeah. complex rules, so it's gonna, you know, it's gonna yeah. feel that way. So. No, I, I totally get it. But but when when your combats take four hours 
and the role playing seems to take a lot less time than the combats do. Um, then on some level, it's like it's like you got to focus on the one that takes the most time. How would, much of that is about? Sorry, go ahead. Would you still like Pathfinder if um, Brendan ran it some way where it, you know combat was more similar to down and dirty combat in? Oh, Chronicles of Darkness. Absolutely. Or would if that you, would that you, mess up your fun because of all the time you spend? No, 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 no. I optimizing. We can we can talk about we can talk about like um we can talk about the worlds of Pathfinder and how there's some great and cool stuff in the Pathfinder world. And I totally agree. I think that like the game has the, the game has a lot of potential for 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 cool fluff. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and and it's just that the that that the combat just drags on and becomes this like miniature. You say, you say that the combat drags on, but I would posit that the Pathfinder game that we played, what you're calling combat was in fact a dungeon crawl, which isn't necessarily just combat because you're in this incredibly hostile environment and you have to be exploring it and the map doesn't lend itself to ever being out of that mode. But there was still exploration that was going on, and then there was role playing inside of that exploration. Remember? Sure, I remember a lot of that role playing. Because, because, okay. So, as a caveat to this, I didn't play in their full game. I came into the game late. I was sort of taking a break from role playing, and I came back and joined them in the middle of this game, right? Which was a thieves council game, right? Council thieves game. Um, <clears throat> as I recall, there was some role playing. There was a lot of like player antipathy that was like happening and players were getting very mad at each other or characters in the party were getting very mad at each other which i think players mirrored um and uh i do remember that but it's not it's not necessarily the dungeon crawl aspect it's it's the moment that like initiatives rolled it feels like five hours from now (laughs) there will stop being initiative rounds Mm. Well, gentlemen, we're coming to the end of our hour. Um, I thought before we left, we'd uh, kick it over to Josh. And if you wanted to just talk a little bit about the Wrecking Crew, I'm sure that our listeners would be interested in hearing about it. Uh, how long ago were you guys formed? What is it you guys do? Uh, how wrecking, do you do it? The Wrecking Crew has been around for a long time. Uh, Dave Martin, the our lead storytellers, had a relationship with the guys at White Wolf and then Onyx Path. Um for as long as I've known him. In fact, the Wrecking Crew was going on before I ever met Dave. Uh, I met Dave at a Hexacon, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the cons that used to happen here locally, uh, in the, at that, when it was at the resort in Scottsdale. Um, the year one of the people, one of the congoers set the golf course on fire. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah. Uh, and then since then, you know, um, I started hanging out with Dave and playing with the Wrecking Crew and going to, going to conventions. Um, Wrecking Crew has a real solid relationship with um, the, the uh, World of Darkness community. Uh, they go to Gen Con basically every every year. Uh, they they got, they've been to NOLA. They they went to NOLA when it happened. They're going to NOLA again this year. Cool. Uh, when Grand Masquerade happens, um, and we've kind of got a following that comes out for all of our events. So like at Gen Con, we've got seventy two events that we're going to run. Um, My God, how many of there are, are you in this group? Uh, there are like 12 people going. Wow. 13 people going. Um, and it's not just all locals. They've, you know, There are people that are associated with the Wrecking Crew that are elsewhere. We have a good relationship with the Dead Gamer Society out of California as well. I know those guys. Um, so several of them are coming as well. But I can pretty much guarantee that um, by the end of registration day on the 15th, all those events are going to be full. And mm-hmm. we're going to have alternates ready to go because there are people that come 
every year just playing Wrecking Cure games. Um, so uh, we don't do a lot of cons locally anymore ever since con games um, uh, stopped. But there really haven't been a lot of big conventions that we've had relationships with people. We tried going to RinCon a couple of times, and it didn't really work out. That was when RinCon was first starting, and um, you know maybe there were some organizational things still getting fleshed out there. Um, but we're going to be going to Crit Hit, Critical Hit, Crit Hit. I will Wonderful. see you there. Wonderful. Um, you know, Dave and I and Daryl are all going to be going there. Daryl kind of jumped on the bandwagon before us and um, proselytized to us. And uh, so we jumped in. The wonders of Kickstarter yet again. Right. Absolutely. Um, we're going to be at Phoenix Comic Con this year. Um, so there'll be games there. Um, you know, if you go to that, if you go for that kind of thing. Um, some of us are going to try to start attending more cons here locally and get, you know, reconnected with the local community. Because uh, there are a lot of small conventions here all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, con-, con season is just getting ready to get started. But, um, you know... We do our best to run games that everybody's going to enjoy and that will attract people coming back year after year after year um, because we are, we're passionate about what we do, right? We all really enjoy role-playing, even though we don't have as much time as we would like to do it. And so conventions are one of the outlets where we get to do a lot of gaming all at once and kind of share this with people. It's the same reason we do the podcast now, right? Yeah. Sure. Um, you know. I think we, we all we all mirror this here. Yeah, exactly. So. I feel like the less time I have to be actually gaming, the more I want to connect with people via the podcast. Right. So, I mean, that's what we're about. You know, that's what, it. What's your favorite World of Darkness game, old or new? Um... I like the meta plot for Vampire the Masquerade. Mm-hmm. I much prefer the rules of Chronicles of Darkness First Edition. I'm not a huge fan of Chronicles of Darkness Second Edition. Um, I don't like how some of the when you look at some of the abilities and powers and stuff, it really kind of harkens back to the days of unbalanced abilities from um, First Ed. Uh, classic wad or old wad at mm-hmm. least in my opinion um but um i really like vampire i i love political games cool. i love i love games where i don't have to roll a single die roll for combat over the course of a six-hour game it's perfect for me amen amen i love that stuff i have a question um speaking of like classic white wolfers and kickstarter uh did you support toxicity no. no. I am zombie. I or am zombie. zombie. Toxicity, the uh, Mark Ryan Hagen uh, zombie game. No. This is the first I've heard about it. Though we were ta- we are talking about maybe having Mark on the podcast. Oh, he yeah. Should. He, you he, should. I think there's like, what, like three days left maybe? Two days left on the Kickstarter? Yeah, yeah. Um, You should check it out. I will. Check and, it out. It's... And, uh, it's it to looks, me, it looks awesome. So. Yeah, I can't wait. And it's supposed to ship real quick, allegedly. If, if we'll it looks see. good, maybe I can sneak it past the wife. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty cheap it's pretty cheap for kickstarter um but definitely ask him about it when you have him on the show right okay sure well josh we really appreciate you coming down and talking to us today thank you very much sure absolutely i'm happy to be here maybe we can have you guys on our show sometime oh that'd be i'd great. love to be there that sounds be great. great all right everybody well thanks again for tuning in we really appreciate you uh hope you enjoyed the show have a great night take care see ya